0: podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough for more information visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk you've got your Bibles with you, Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through 29. Let's just read this together. It's just a a small passage, a small part of scripture. Uh, Mark records this for us. John Mark records it for us. The only one that does record it for us. But let's just have a read here. He also said, uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 26. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn. First the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts uh, puts it to the sickle because the harvest has come. What an interesting parable. What an interesting... Part of Scripture, and I wonder this morning um, if I was to ask the question, "Who has now?" Oh yes, come on! Now I I was I was of the opinion that mine could wait. Um, Hay fever was bad. I've had three weeks where my nose has just been horrendous—just sneezing and all the stuff—and no sympathy. Oh, that's not bad actually. There was no sympathy. At one stage, at one stage, um, the lovely Rachel asked me if I was all right. And I believe I said to her, no. (laughs) It's just, it's, you know when you want to enjoy the sunshine and you can't because you're sneezing. Now, I've changed my nasal spray. I shan't advertise at this stage, but if you want to know what that is, it has worked wonders. I find that after a year of using that product, you have to move on to something else because your body's gone, no, I'm not interested in that. So I had three weeks where it was just complaining. But now it's all good. No more moaning. Not at this point. So yesterday, with my newfound sniff, I went out and cut the grass. Yay! It actually deserved a round of applause, but don't panic. No, 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 not now. Not when I've asked for it. (laughs) So out I went and cut the grass and made it look as nice as I could. But while I was doing that, I decided that the pots needed to come out as well. If you've noticed, maybe you've walked around the parks or maybe you've seen that in the the pots at the side of the street, the ones that are on the bridges and all that sort of stuff, they're all starting to look pretty, aren't they? They're all starting to look really nice. Now, I know that not everybody's a keen gardener. I am also not a really keen gardener because I have a trampoline in my garden. Those of us that are parents know all about that. I had a beautiful patch of lawn. It was gorgeous. It is ruined. Such is life. The children are happy. That's what my wife tells me is important. (laughs) But as I was cutting the lawn, I was trying to make it look as nice as I could. I I dragged these pots out. Now, I put these pots to one side, as you do. I would sort of protected them from the winter. My dad tells me that's what I should do. So that's what I did. And I, I hid them around the corner just out of the wind and the worst of the weather. So there was, uh, so they were nice and safe. I spotted something on one pot particularly that I didn't think had got anything in it. You see, last year I bought my wife, uh, those of you who haven't met my wife, she was the lady stood, uh, stood singing at the side of me very quietly. She refuses to sing loud, don't she, Alistair? I, I bought her this uh, lovely plant called a peony. Anybody heard of a peony? They were our wedding flower, so I'm told. (laughs) I've looked at the video, I can confirm. Anyway, so I bought this beautiful uh, plant. I thought rather than just buy her a bouquet of flowers, which only lasts for a week or so, I thought, I'll buy a plant. So last year, I went out and I found what I needed to buy. I got it and it was just about to flower, you know, and you can see the buds. And I was like, this is going to be good. So I, I just popped it in the pot. I didn't say anything for a week. And then all excited, I said to her, I said, Do you see that new plant I've bought? And she goes, yeah. I said, that, that's a peony. It's for you. And she went, oh, darling, that's amazing. Thank you so much. When will it flower? I went, any time. Any time now. Any time now. Any time now. The summer came and went. It never flowered. I was devastated. Absolutely devastated. I should have spent the $6.99 and bought a bouquet of flowers. But no, instead I spent on this beautiful plant or so I thought. The picture looked amazing. Nothing. I left it as long as I possibly could. And then I decided that actually the best thing to do for this is to just have done with. So I took my shears. They're not very sharp, so I had to have a couple of attempts. (laughs) Right down at the gravel. You know when you, you put the gravel on top to stop the moisture getting soaked up by the sun? Just in case you don't do that. There's a gardening tip for you. Anyway, so I popped the gravel in the top and I, I just went bang. Right down at the bottom. As close to the gravel as I could. And over the plant fell. That was it. Done. Finished. We were, we were done. Let me tell you. And I popped it around the corner. So yesterday... Dragging all these lovely plants out that I haven't got, these pots that I thought I'll have to nip and, and go and buy something to put in a couple of the pots because there's nothing in them. So I dragged this plant pot out and, and much to my amazement is this four and a half, five inch stalk. And it's got little leaves on it. And it looks all healthy. And I was like, no, I did that. Yes, I did. So I popped it out on the decking and my wife said to me, what's that? I said, I'll tell you what that is. I said that's your peony. She went, No, I said it is. I said I said, I'm telling you now, this year it will flower. So if you want to pray this week, all right. <laughs> we we need a flower on the peony. But what struck me about that whole scenario and what strikes me this morning about this portion of scripture is I did absolutely nothing. In fact, if anything, I halted the growth. I locked it off as far down as I could. In my mind, that tells me that plant is done and I'm going to swap it out for something else this year. But as I dragged it out, I saw the life that had happened. And here in this parable, Jesus says in verse 27, night and day, whether the, whether the farmer, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Verse 28, all by itself, the soil produces corn. Don't you find that incredible? See, I've done absolutely nothing to make the life of that plant any better than it perhaps could have been wherever it was. All I've done is, well, told my wife that it's going to flower. I did that last year, it didn't. I've done that this year, God willing, it will flower. But the truth is that there is stuff happening below the ground that we can't see. And that strikes me about you and me because so often in our Christian walk, so often in our lives... We, we just sort of wake up, we do the day, we go to bed. What do we do the next day? If the Lord gives us breath, we wake up, we do the day, we go to bed. And we can find ourselves perhaps at the end of the month or even at the end of the year going, Lord, what have I done? Well, what is this all about? What am I doing in order to, to do something, perhaps even... For you, what am I doing? The Bible tells us, and, and as, the, as Jesus brings out this parable, that we have to understand that God doesn't stop working. God doesn't stop working. You see, you can pick this out of this parable because I know that the farmer goes to sleep. So do I. Anybody else go to sleep? Who's going to sleep this afternoon? <laughs> the farmer goes to sleep. The farmer goes about his daily business. The farmer does what he needs to do. What strikes me about this is that God doesn't stop. God doesn't take a break. He doesn't shut his eyes and have a minute. My minute is an hour. Anybody else is like that? I'm just gonna have 10 minutes. My wife knows that's 60. She knows. But here we can see clearly that What's happening is God is doing what needs to be done. He's understand, He understands each one of us and he knows full well that we have ups and downs, that we have moments in our life where we perhaps need a pruning. We perhaps need lopping off at the base. And that needs to happen in order that we can bring about new growth. Sometimes that's uncomfortable. I should rephrase that. Always that's uncomfortable. Because we think that we're on it most of the time and yeah, oh yeah, it's all happening and yeah, I know it seems a little bit mundane but I get up and I do what I've got to do and I, I go to bed and put everything's in order, it's all doing what it's supposed to do and God's saying, look, I've got so much more planned for you, so much more that I can do through you, so much more that if you just allow me to have full control of your life because I don't rest, I don't go to sleep. This morning on purpose we sang, you give rest to the weary and this is what he, this is what he does. We need rest, don't we? We know full well that if we string 12, 14 hours in a straight run working, we are ready, aren't we? We are ready. And if you're one of those people that has to, uh, uh, that's in the medical profession, there are times when those 14 hours become 20 odd. And you go, Lord, I, I just need a, I need a rest. I need to sleep. And the Bible tells us that rest is good but the Bible too tells us that we worship a God who does not sleep or slumber. He doesn't take a break. He doesn't need to nip off to the seaside to dip his feet in the water and say it's all going to be okay. He knows full well that he has got it all in control. You see, the truth of the matter is that we have a God who is the perfect gardener. He knows exactly what's needed, the, the, The truth that we read here this morning is that God is in absolute control night and day, winter, summer, spring or autumn, that God is in absolute control. And if that's the case then we too know that God will bring about his plans, his purposes, and his promise. We're looking at that in the Bible studies on Wednesday evening, that God will always bring about his purpose and his promise. But for you and for me, he said that he can do things through us, that he can. He is the God of the immeasurably more. Anybody read that? You see, he's the God of the immeasurably more. And often we can give our lives this outlook and perspective that's this big and it looks really big to us. It looks fantastic. I mean, if we can just achieve that. And God says, let me have full control and watch me turn this into your wildest dreams. And what we have to hunker down into is the will of God for our lives. Because often, um, as the world tells us, that what we really need to pursue are those things that are just faultless and just incredible. Whether that be a bigger house, or that be a bigger garden, or whether that be a faster car, whether that be a better job, whether that be a title in a job, whether that be a uniform in a job, that we can pursue so much... And God says to us, look, those things are great, they're fantastic. Let me have full control and I'll use you in those situations to be productive for me. I'll use you in those situations to bring about life into those dark areas of our life. I'll use you even in your day-to-day because I'm always at work, remember? I never stop. And if we just allow God to have full control, you know, we all know, don't we, that we... uh, Maybe you're different to me, but... uh, we, we can so quickly put things into boxes, can't we? You know, that's work and, and that's home and, and that's church. And God says, no, I want, give me all of that and I'll bring about what needs to happen. Oh, but I've got control. I, <laughs> the last thing I want to do is hand over the reins of any part because anything could happen. Like we know. Anybody else confident that they know? Oh, I do my own heading with that. Oh, I know what I need. And the Lord goes, Matthew, if only you knew. He knows what I need most of the time. You see, we've seen within our own lives perhaps, or we've seen those around about us that the Lord has perhaps used for situations or uh, uh, given them um, the opportunity to, to spread the word. And we think, wow, I'd love to do that, if only. Do you know, the most incredible ability that we could give to God is availability. It's being available for him. And when we open up our minds and our hearts to say, Lord, I've had a go. I've not done bad. Or I've had a go and I've done absolutely terrible. Or I've had a go and everything is rosy but Lord, I want you to take control. And not just words, but as we've looked at this morning in Psalm 139, that it's heart founded. It starts here. And when these two start to match up and we say, Lord, I want you to take control. I want you to have your way. Then church, as we read in scripture that God will do what needs to be done. Amen. Amen that lives can be changed, that we can reach people that we never thought possible. And don't think that we're doing all the work because we're not. God is. And if this parable tells us anything, we're to go out, we're to share the gospel and the gospel will do what the gospel does best and it will reach people for Christ. It's been doing it for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. One of the lines that John used a few months ago is, the Bible doesn't need defending. It's done really well by itself because it's got God on its side. It's the very word of God. It doesn't need to be looked after. it it, it does real well by itself and the gospel is the truth it is the good news about jesus christ and church we have to share that whether that be a smile whether that be a hug whether that be a shoulder to cry on whether that be a conversation at work that brings some nice seasoning to to perhaps bitterness and says no 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 let's have some love here let's have some life here let's just share good news we're so good at bad news aren't we Monday morning, how was your weekend? Fantastic. I'm so pleased I'm back at work. Ha, ha, ha. But bring some life into the conversation that says, you know, it was a fantastic weekend. Went to church. Speaker was average. But the good news is Jesus loves me. Oh, dare we do that? Of course we dare. We've got God on our side, haven't we? See, John 15 tells us that he's the gardener. John 15 tells us that he's in control. John 15 tells us that you and I are gonna have to go through a pruning at times. But as we read and put these scriptures together, we also see that God could be preparing us for something. Maybe we've been in a time where it's been difficult. Maybe we've been in a time where it has been tough. Maybe we've been in a a series of events that just are outside of our control and it's tough and it's hard and you go, Lord, I really don't know what's happening. Now I appear to be here in this church in Gainsborough, listening to this chap at the front thinking, what is he on about? But we have to understand that perhaps God has been doing something in the background that's brought you here this morning that allows you to see that you have a God-given potential to do what the Lord has called you to do. What's he called you to do? Go out into all the world and preach the gospel. What's he called you to do? Love people care for people, show life to people, give people the opportunity to hear the gospel, care enough to share. And that's what, uh, as we as a church uh, step into the Alpha Course, that's what it's all about, that we care enough to love people, to give them something to eat to have a, a drink with them to to share the good news about Jesus Christ with them and to allow them to ask questions allow you to ask questions allow each of us to have that time to say look it and Leviticus is confusing then let's talk about it john we'll talk about that with you But God is tending to us. He's looking after us. He's nourishing us. And even when we don't see it, that's what he's doing. Even when we think he's gone on holiday, he's packed his suitcase and he's gone for a breather. He doesn't need it. He hasn't. The Bible tells us he will never leave us. So therefore we know. So maybe we might not have flowered last year. Maybe we needed repotting. Heck, I've decided, in fact I've read, that that's what ruined my flowering peony. That was my mistake. Instead of leaving it in the pot for the next month and a half and allowing the flowers to flower, they don't even last very long. Apparently they're worth it. They don't even last very long. But if I'd have left it in the pot, that's what it would have done. But instead I uprooted it and I dropped it in another pot and it just was not happy at all. But the truth is too that for us in our own lives, we might think, yes, come on, we're on it. And God says, no, 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 no. There's something bigger and better. There's something in store for you. And what's going to have to happen is you. Maybe we're going to have to be replanted. Maybe we're going to have to be uh, just pruned a little bit because the truth is that God knows the best for you and for me. And I've thought about this, and I like when I read Scripture, you can see, can't you, over time, as you read through the experience of God. We don't bring something as a surprise to God. You only have to read about David, let alone anybody else. We can't surprise him. Oh, failed again. Really? We can't bring a surprise to God. He's an experienced pro. And I I think for me that works because I have to know. Because I, like you, I like to be in control. And if I'm not in control, I want somebody who's better at it than I am. God is so much better. So, so, so much better. And he is in absolute control. And the word tells us here that he is at it. He is doing what needs to be done. And 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18, if you've got your Bibles with you, and you want to turn to that. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18. It says, See, uh, so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And this is talking about us, our day to day, as believers, that we don't fix our eyes on perhaps the things around about us that, oh, we've been repotted and it all seems bad. And I've had months and months and months of heartache and pain. And Lord, I I just don't know what to do. And I'm not making little of that. But what I am saying is that we're to fix our eyes on something so much bigger and so much greater and so much better. That as we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, that one day we will see our Savior face to face. And our goal is to tell as many people as we possibly can about Jesus Christ. And that doesn't always mean you have to stand at the front and have a verbal conversation or perhaps not a conversation, nobody's talking back to me, or perhaps telling people, but rather that conversation in the snap room at work, that conversation at the side of the kettle while you're waiting for it to boil, that smile on a Monday morning, Tuesday morning, you're going to need to smile, unless you're retired, of course. But those opportunities where we can be something better, not because we're anything, but because He is everything, amen? And we allow God to work through our lives, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. I know that God is working under the roots of my life. He's taking complete control, and I know that I have to fix my eyes on Him, uh, for what is seen is temporary, all this around about us, but what is unseen is eternal. That one day I will be in glory with him. That is what I fix my eyes on. And that's what we should fix our eyes on. So church, let's dig in. We know that God is doing his work. So let's trust him. Let's draw near to God. And as we do that, what does the Bible tell us? That he will draw near to us. What better place to be than side by side with the creator of the heavens and earth. And let's ask him to open our eyes to the works that he's been doing behind the scenes. Because church, he is able, he's able to do more than we could ever think or imagine. Amen? Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your goodness and your grace. Father, we thank you that as we look into your word, as we understand about your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's made a way for each of us as we put our faith and our trust in you. Father, as he came obedient, obedient to death on the cross, he gave us the opportunity at life. That, Father, as we put our faith in him, as we repent of our sin, that, Father, one day we will see our Savior face to face as we've received life and life eternal. Father, help us to focus on that promise. Help us to just dig into all that you've got for us. And we pray, Lord God, that you might just help us as we, whatever season that each of us find ourselves in in our life, that you might just encourage us to keep our eyes fixed on you. To know, Lord God, that even perhaps when it feels like we're on our own, that you are right there with us. That, Father, you're doing your work. And I pray, Lord God, that we might just bring our entire lives before you. That, Father, as we walk into a room, whatever it might be, whether work or whether it be with friends, whatever it would be, that, Father, as we step into the room, people see that there's something different about us. Father, not that we should lord it over people, but, Father, that we should have a servant heart that says, I am saved, redeemed, set free because of Jesus. And that's what it's all about. Lord, help us and strengthen us as your church and encourage us, we pray. Father, this weekend, as it continues into the bank holiday Monday, we pray that, Lord, you might give us safety in travel. Father, wherever we go, that you might just be with us, strengthen us and uphold us as your church, and that, Father, you might bring us together at the next meeting. Lord, we just praise your name this morning. In Jesus' precious name, we ask these prayers. Amen.